What keeps you awake at night? What keeps you awake at night? What's been keeping me awake at night is the song that Tim just sang to us. And it's a song by Brandon Flowers. He's the lead singer of The Killers. And the song uh, is basically a conversation between him and his wife. And these lyrics are the lyrics that really stick out to me. And uh, they say this, these hours I'm working ain't nearly enough. And chasing every dollar, girl, is this what I was born to do? You know, as I think of those lyrics, it really represents the last six months of my life. I, I'm looking in the back corner, and my wife and six-month-old are, are standing there. And, you know, I just, it's been this beautiful, complicated, wonderful, sleep-depriving season. And, and I think the thing that's been so difficult has been this, is I want to give everything that I have to my wife, and I want to give everything that I have to my daughter, and I want to give everything that I have to you at Browncroft, and I have dreams and I have ambitions, but it just seems like I'm never enough. It just seems like I don't have enough to give, and, and I still have dreams, and, and there's things that I still want to see happen, but it just seems like wherever I go, I just don't have enough. What keeps you awake at night? Some of you, you're like, man, this is like really deep. What keeps me awake at night is the Patriots going to another Super Bowl. How terrible would that be? <laughs> but think about it. You know, you might be a student here, and what keeps you awake at night is you're, you're about to start middle school. You're about to start high school. You wonder, will that girl even know that I exist? You wonder, you know, will that boy even just talk to me that one time? Will I have good enough grades to make it to college? Will I have good enough grades to apply to the right college? And then we have college students here, and you're wondering, did I pick the right major? Can I make money off this major? Will I get a job? And later on, you, you, you take a job, and you're wondering, when am I going to work it up the corporate ladder? You know, should I stay home with the kids or keep working? What should I do? And then your kids get older, and you get all worried about different things, and you're, you're wondering, you know, are they going to do well in kindergarten? Are they going to be okay without me? Are they going to be okay with the colleges that they need to go to? And you might even be wondering, am, am I saving enough money for retirement? Some of you this week, it was the week that you dropped your kids off to college, and you're, you're just wondering, what are we going to do as empty nesters? I'm stuck with my spouse for the rest of my life. <laughs> I don't think Christian Christianity is equipped to answer those questions specifically, but I think that Christianity is equipped to answer the deeper questions of why those things are so important to us. Because whether it's the thing that keeps me awake at night or the thing that keeps you awake at night, underlining all of those are desires and ambitions. And some of it reveals the darkest parts of our lives, and others of it, it reveals the best parts of our life. It reveals the lies that we believe, but it also reveals the truth that we know. Today, we're in the fourth installment of the message, Better Together, Overcoming Weakness. And if I was to sum up this message in one line, it would be this. It would be, confession is the practice of walking in the light with God and with others. Confession is the practice of walking in the light with God and others. If you have your mobile device or if you have your physical Bible, turn with me right now to 1 John 
5, 1 through 10. As you're turning there, I want to give you a little bit of background. So first of all, my name's Peter Englert. I am the adult ministries director. I oversee small groups. And as we look at this passage today in 1 John, a couple things that you need to understand is this. John is a disciple of Jesus. He spent three years in a small group with Jesus. John wrote a biography of Jesus that's called the Gospel of John. It's in your Bibles. And what you'll notice is as you read John and 1 John, there's a ton of overlap. So 1 John is a letter that's written to a group of house churches. You can think of them, it's a group of small groups. And what happens here is John's not necessarily getting new ideas out there, but he's repeating older ideas because if we don't understand the gospel, if we don't understand how Jesus brings life change in our life, it'll affect every part of our life. It'll affect every relationship. So John wants to key in on this moment. John wants to key in on on these house churches so that they don't get swayed to a wrong teaching. So let's read this passage together. 1 John 1 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him, that we've heard from Jesus, and we declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin." If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the, tru- and, the, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him, Jesus, out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. So our focus this morning is going to be on 1 John 1, 8, and 9, but you can't really understand 1 John 1, 8, and 9 without understanding the background in the previous verses. And so, if you were to study this passage in a commentary, if you were to listen to scholars of 1 John, they would identify two groups of people in this passage. The first group of people are faithful followers of Jesus. These people are, many of them like you, they're trying their hardest to be like Jesus. They want to experience life change in Him. And so they're pursuing God with right motivations and they're, they're experiencing change. But there's a second group of people and these people had adopted this false teaching and they were going to each house church. And I want you to imagine this, that if, if we were in big churches right now, it's bigger than what the first century was, but if you have a bad idea or gossip in a house church, it spreads like wildfire. And so what they were teaching was, they were saying, we have arrived We've arrived in perfection. And it wasn't even just perfection that they thought that they had this grand idea of God. They just said, you know what? We've experienced so much of Jesus that our minor sins and our minor brokenness doesn't really matter to him. That we've, we've come to this place of nirvana. We've come to this place that we don't need, you know, we don't need to stay down here. But what John is trying to do is John is trying to address both these groups of people. And a good rule of thumb is whenever John says something in the positive, he's talking to the people that are trying to be faithful followers of Jesus. When he talks to people that are, when he talks in the negative, he's talking to these people that took this wrong belief in Jesus. So what John 
says and he encapsulates is this, and you can see this in John 1, is he says that when Jesus authentically comes into our hearts and life, we walk into the light rather than darkness. We know who Jesus is. We know that he's the Savior. When we walk in the truth, we no longer believe the lies about ourselves, whether the lies we tell ourselves, whether the lies the world tells us, but we believe the truth that because of Jesus Christ's death and resurrection, that we can live the life we were intended, that we were created by him. And really this passage illustrates two effects that walking in the light and truth looks like. The first one is this, is that when we walk in the light and the truth, we experience fellowship with God. Turn with me to five, six, and seven, I just, or five and six. I just want you to see this. It, this is the message we've heard from him declared to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness. If we claim to have fellowship in him, yet walk in darkness, we lie and we do not tell the truth. So in this passage, what John is doing is he's getting at the lie that this group of people that adopted a false teaching believe. He's getting to it and he's saying this. He's saying, if you think that you're good enough on your own, if you think your performance is good enough, if you think that you're always right, then you completely miss the point of the gospel. You completely miss that, that the good news of Jesus comes to us when we're broken, when we know that we have areas of sin, when we know that we're not perfect. And he's saying this, not only do you miss that, but you make God out to be a liar as opposed to telling the truth. But he says in the, in the positive, he's saying, when you walk in the light as he is in the light, you have a better relationship with God. God is able to transform you and to change you by just simply identifying this, that you need him. You see, what John is pointing at, it's something that makes Christianity unique than any other religions. You see, most other religions, they point out that we're broken. They point out that we have problems, and they would even say that we have confession. But what John is saying here is when you walk in the light and you have fellowship with God, what you realize is, is your brokenness isn't something that you glory in. Your brokenness isn't something that you hide, but it actually invites you to come to Jesus and say, I am solely dependent on you. I can't change on my own. I can't make things happen. And so what John is saying here is he's saying that when you walk in the light of the truth and the gospel, you experience fellowship with God. But in turn, when you walk in the light and truth, you experience fellowship with other people. Look at verse seven briefly with me. It says this, but if we walk in the light as Jesus is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Do you know what pops a balloon faster in a work meeting or in a family get together? That one person that thinks they're always right. I mean, seriously, you think about it. You're trying to identify a problem. And imagine in these house churches, there's people that are there and they just think that they have it all together and they're saying, we've arrived, we have all the answers. And that's not a fun place to be. They weren't open to necessarily receiving criticism or feedback. They weren't open at confessing their sins. They weren't open to sharing that. But what John's saying is this, is that the churches, the small groups, the people that live the freest, the people that walk in the light are those that know who Jesus is and know who we are as human beings. They know their brokenness. They know the sin. And the light of the gospel shines on them. You know, the danger with this message is this. 
all of us are listening to it, and we probably have someone in our mind who should hear this message. You're saying, if my wife heard this message, that would be great. You know, if my boss heard this message, you know, and, and immediately the danger of this message is to think that it has to do with everybody except for ourselves. But what John is saying here is this, is that the people that are faithful followers of Jesus, the people that, that love God and want to grow, the people that experience transformation are those that are able to identify their weaknesses. You know, I also think that, you know, in our neighborhoods and in America, we kind of have an okay relationship with confession. Like, we're, we're able to share, like, the messy pictures in our life on Instagram. We're like, this is real life. My house is a mess. But there's certain things that we're, like, really okay with sharing. Like, this confession, you know, I just work too hard. That's my problem. I work too hard. You know, the other confession is, this. my problem is, is I care too much. I, I just care too much. And then as parents, you know, we bring up this problem, we say this, you know, my problem is I love my kids too much. Those might be legitimate confessions, and those might be true, but the problem is, is deeper than those confessions are actually motivations. They're thoughts and they're lies that we have to deal with. You see, what John is pointing at is, is we deal with greed. We deal with selfishness. We have people that we're bitter about. We have people that we resent. We have people in our lives that have caused us pain. We want more control than God would allow us to have. And what John is saying is, is that true freedom, true grace, true truth is found only when the light of the gospel shines on you. Only when the light of the gospel can open that in your heart that you'll experience true fellowship with God, but even more so, true fellowship with each other. Imagine a small group that you walk into and people can confess and share. Imagine a marriage relationship. Imagine a coworker or a boss that, that if, if we just as a world could just admit when we're wrong, even to the scintilla of detail, I missed a comma in the Excel spreadsheet. Just imagine how better our world would be. It would be a better place. And what John is saying is it's not just about confession to make ourselves better. It's not just about confession to say that we have weakness and be authenticity, but it actually leads us to the gospel. It leads us to Jesus. All of that background leads us to verses eight and nine. And so the main point of this message is confession is the practice of walking in the light with God and others. Take a look with me at uh, verses eight and nine says this, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I want you to get this because this is really powerful. Is that when we confess our sins is that when we live in this way, when we walk in the light, we experience true community. We experience true community with God and with others. I want you to listen to this quote. It's by Brennan Manning. 
And Brennan Manning said this, just as kind of a, a backup to this, Brennan Manning was a priest that became an alcoholic. He got kicked out of the priesthood. And, and he said this, he said, in my efforts to overcome my lifelong struggle with self-hatred, the despair of ever being love, worthy of love, I've been aided immeasurably by trusted and trusting friends who with no ulterior motive see something in me that I cannot see in myself. They do not merely tell me, but they relate to me in a way which shows that they find me lovable. You see, the power of confession The power of the gospel in our life, the power in that quote is that Jesus knows everything about us but still loves us. And when you are in a community of faith, whether it's a small group, whether it's your spouse, wherever you are, that when you walk in the light through confession, that you no longer have to put on the mask, you no longer have to live with pretense, but you can experience that what Brennan talks about is that you can be really you. You can be who God created you, and you don't have to hold everything together. And so what confession is, the practice of walking in the light, confession tells us this. It has two levels to it. The first level is this, is that confession invites us to vertically, it happens vertically with God. Let me repeat that. Confession happens vertically with God. You see, again, the gospel is unique than other religions, and it's not self-help. It's not, not beat yourself up when you're wrong and cheer yourself on when you're right. But what the gospel says is this, is if you walk in the light, if you confess to God, there's a freedom that happens. You might be wondering, how do I confess to God? Let me tell you what it doesn't look like. Is if in your prayer time you're confessing to God, God, please change my child, Make them a cherub. God, please, please just, just help them to not be addicted to their screen. Or God, help my spouse. God, they just need to change. God, help my boss. At the end of the day, that takes it off of you. But, but when you say this, God, I'm the one that needs changing. What David would say in the Psalms is he would say this, create in me a clean heart. Purify my motivations. And and the freedom that you can have with God is he'll begin to shine light on different areas and you experience confession in such a way that you can be right with God and hear from him and experience true life change. But the second level is confession horizontally and that happens vertically with other people or horizontally with other people. For me, I'm used to vertical because I have to look up about everyone. So anyways, but... Confession at the horizontal level has to do with other people. You see, in James, James was the brother of Jesus, and he wrote a book in the Bible, and it was a letter. And I just want you to just stop for a moment. James was the brother of Jesus. If you thought living in the shadow of your sibling was difficult, try living in the shadow of the Savior of the universe who is perfect. I'm just saying, it's not easy. But James write this, is he says, confess your sins one to another. And in 1 John, as you read the Bible and it talks about living in the light and it talks about confession, it talks about both these levels because when you're confessing your sins to God, it invites you to confess your sins to other people. It invites you to say, I don't need to have it all together. I can experience freedom. I can be with other people and I can hear them and I don't feel the need to fix them, but I can actually hear, God, what is my role in their life? 
I want to just give you an example of what confession to other people looks like. It was Wednesday. I'm sitting in the couch, and I've had this thought for the last two years. There's a certain person that's kind of my equal at a different place in ministry, and, you know, he's experiencing some success, and without even thinking, I said to my wife, I'm really jealous of this guy. Now, my wife's a therapist, and so she says, <laughs> she looks at me and she goes, tell me more. And I go, I don't want to tell you more. <laughs> but I want you just to think about that. So first of all, I don't tell you that because I'm awesome at confession. It took me two years to get to that place. But what God had to do was shine the light on the assiduous parts of my heart. You know, I, I was just praying that God would make me better. I was praying that God would help, help my ambition. And, and the question like popped up in prayer time. God's like, are you gonna pray for this person to be blessed? Can you pray for this person to be successful? And then in sharing that with my wife, it wasn't the easiest thing to do. And it's sure not easy telling hundreds of people on a Sunday morning, but there's a freedom. There's a freedom in saying, this is out there. And you might be wondering, you're like, Peter's gonna ask me to get into a small group and share all my dark secrets and things like that. No, you have to develop these relationships in time. You know, in my life, I have a mentor that I go to the gym with and we talk about life. I'm in an LTG and I meet with two groups or with uh, two other people and then I'm also in a small group. There's certain things that I'll say to my mentor because there's just less of us than I will to my small group, but the principle is still the same, is that this is a moment of confession. This is a moment of who are the people in your life that you can practice walking in the light. Who are the people that you can share these things with so that, that you no longer have to make yourself look good, so you no longer have to perform? But it's saying this, God, first and foremost, I confess to you because I can't do it on my own. But secondly, I confess to the people closest around me because I trust in the confidential, confidentiality and care. I trust that they're going to challenge me to grow and encourage me. That's the power of confession. That's the power of walking in the light. In this season, the song by Brandon Flowers that Tim just played, you know, I, that's been a confession for me. And there's one line of the song that says this, there's power in letting go. There's power in letting go. You see, Brandon wrote this song as a conversation to his wife. He wrote it because as you listen to the lyrics, you can definitely hear that he's trying to build this tension. You know, you know, I'm trying all the stuff over here and I'm trying to do all the things over there. And as I think about my life and how I relate to this song and how this song has become a confession to me, underneath those motivations to be a great dad, underneath those motivations to be a great husband, underneath those motivations to be a great pastor, I need the light of the gospel. Because underneath them, there's this desire for success, there's pride, there's bitterness, and there's resentment, and there's jealousy. And what about for you, those questions that keep you up at night, the things that you're worried about? 
is that maybe God's not so much caring about giving you the answer to those questions, but maybe this morning God's challenged you, why are those things so important to you? Is it about the way you look? Is it about the way you come across to other people? Is it about the way that, that it could be the pride in your life? It could be bitterness or resentment. It could be malice. The invitation is so simple this morning. It's walk in the light. Get those motivations and sin and brokenness into the light because there's a freedom on the other side of that, knowing that you can't fix yourself, that God wants to give you freedom. I want to talk to two groups of people this morning. First of all, those of you that aren't in small groups, we need consistent people in our lives that encourage us, that, that motivate us, that we confess one to another. And some of you tell me this, I'm really busy, I don't have time, but let me tell you what, it is worth it. On our screens right now, there's a phone number that's going to come up, and you may be, you know, through this whole series, you've been saying, you know what, I'm not going to text, I'm not going to follow up. But I would encourage you today, we're not asking you to commit to a group. We're going to be following up with you in the coming weeks. But just text that number, and there's an f- online form that you're going to fill out. And it's just simply saying this, I don't have someone I can confess to. I don't have those groups of relationships. And it's not like you're going to find those people tomorrow and it's going to go well. But you, know, you need to create space for the people that you confess to. The second group of people I want to talk to are those that are in small groups. As your small group pastor, the thing I hear about the most is like our group like needs to go deeper. So we make comments like, you know, we have the guy that debates theology all the time. You know, we, we have the couple that, that doesn't spend, that, that loves fellowship time and it takes them forever to get, get into the group setting, you know. And we talk about all these things, but what if going deeper this year for you as a small group leader for you as a member and participant of a small group was this, is that as a passage came up, you confessed. You said, hey, you know what? I have jealousy in my heart. Hey, I have bitterness in my heart. Hey, if I'm truly honest, I'm greedy. I care about the number in my bank account way too much. I care about the car I drive and the way I look because I hope that some ways it'll help people love me more. What if we had those conversations in this small group? Imagine the freedom that we would have if we had those conversations here on Sunday morning, one-on-one with each other. Imagine the depth of our relationship. We no longer would have to live in pretense. We no longer would have to have a mask put over us, but we could live in the freedom of the gospel.